Welcome to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there is anything in this message that you would like to talk about further, please go to our website, www.cofcpenrith.org. That's www.cofcpenrith.org. Now let's listen to Pastor Dave Crocker. Well, I want you to, this morning if you can, to think back five years ago, maybe ten years. I know for some of you that's a long time. For some of you it's a small percentage of your life. Are you living the life now that you would have imagined back then? Have you accomplished the things that perhaps you set out to accomplish in the past? Have you changed in the areas that you thought you needed to? Have you grown in some things? Are you satisfied with the answer to those questions? Or are you frustrated, perhaps disappointed? Is the life you're living now not what you imagined it might have looked like? Well, now I want you to think forward some years. I won't say how many because for some of you it's an issue, but we'll think forward. Imagine that you're sitting here and I ask you the same question. Whether you're satisfied or disappointed with that answer has nothing to do with chance and everything to do with choice. You see, everyone gets somewhere in life and some people end up somewhere on purpose. Those are the ones with vision. Sure, they have other qualities that that go into making up their life, but they certainly have vision for different parts of their life. They've learnt to make dreams reality, to turn ideas into things of substance. A clear vision with the courage to follow through on it greatly increases your chances of arriving at a place you're entirely happy with. See, vision changes how we approach life It transforms the mundane into the meaningful. There's a verse in Proverbs in chapter 29 and verse 18, and it's where there is no revelation or another version says vision, the people cast off restraint. The New Living Translation says they run wild. See, vision brings order. It brings discipline to our world. It brings restraint. This month in the life of church, we'll be talking about some of our programs, we'll be talking about some of what we think God is speaking to us about for this year and for us as a church moving forward. And I wanted to start today by talking about the power of vision in your life. So there's four specific things that vision will bring into your life. The first thing vision brings is passion. Vision evokes an emotion. There's no such thing as an emotionless vision. The clearer the vision, the stronger the emotion associated with it. Vision brings motivation. Vision-driven people are motivated people. If you lack motivation, chances are you lack vision. Vision brings direction. It sets a direction for our lives. It simplifies our decision-making. Anything that leads us towards Our vision we embrace wholeheartedly and anything else we approach with caution. It prioritises our values and helps us determine what is the most important thing. 
Finally, vision brings purpose. It gives us a reason to get up in the morning. None none of that is rocket science. Lots of people have written books on vision and talked about things like that. And Many self-help books and resources include ideas about setting vision and the power of vision. But as followers of Jesus, there's one important ingredient that we need to include. See, our lives are intended to honour God. Part of honouring God is discovering what he has put us here on this planet for and and what he has shaped us to do. The good news this morning is that all of us can learn to be people of vision. We can learn the process and the power of vision which has the potential to transform our lives. Today I want to talk about three categories of vision that are important for us here. The first is our personal vision. Might want to call it a goal or a dream. It's something that drives our life in a certain way or causes us to do certain things. I, I had a dream that uh, that I would play bass and be in a band. That was in my teenage years. That was something I wanted, and I got my first real four string and I bought it at the music store. Played it till my fingers bled. It was the summer of '92. Me and some friends from school. We had a band and we tried real hard. I decided to play bass so that we could form a band and, and, and get to hang out more with my friends, but it shaped a lot of my life because I had to learn how to play the instrument, I had to practice and we had to learn the songs and, and it culminated in, in the releasing of in our band releasing an album which uh, we broke up just after that for unrelated reasons. I don't get to play as much these days as I used to, but I, I do every opportunity I get. I had a dream, and that dream shaped some of my behaviours and my actions. It provided a motivation for me to learn how to play this instrument. So when Kerry and I got married, we had uh, conversations about the kind of marriage that we wanted. What would it look like for us to, to, be, to be married? What, what kind of marriage would it be? Because we came from different backgrounds and we had a different ways of doing things and, and we had conversations about the kind of marriage that we wanted. See, most of us are great at having a, a vision for a preferred future when we're young. You ask my youngest boy what he wants to do with his life, he'll just tell you he wants to play soccer for a living. I'd love that to actually eventuate. We're really good at it when we're at school and they ask, we keep getting those questions, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to do when you leave school? A lot of us know, some of us don't, but we're good at vision in our younger years, but it seems like the older we get, we just kind of let life happen around us. We stop setting vision and we stop thinking of the future and what that could look like for us. So one of the things Kerry and I have begun doing because we, we, in this whole area, we're dissatisfied with the status quo. Life's good, but we think things could look different. And we've begun thinking about what our family could look like. We're in the process of developing a, a, a vision statement for our family. How do we want to raise our boys? What kind of, of men do I want my boys to be? What kind of woman do I want my daughter to be? What kind of father do I want to be? And, and, and We had some great ideas when we were younger and and kids started coming, but we kind of just let things happen. And 
we've decided that personally we're going to develop a vision for our family. Because otherwise we'll arrive at some destination, but it won't necessarily be the destination that we want to. So here's the action step for the first part. When we preach, we don't just want to impart information. We want to see faith in action, which leads to transformation. The action step is this. Look at where you are now. Think about where you could be or where you want to be one, two, five, ten years from now. Think about the kind of things that you, you want to be doing with your life, what, what stage of life you, you're in and what that might look like. Begin to formulate a plan of how to achieve some of that. Write it down. Because when we've got a destination, it helps settle the direction that we move and we walk in. It helps us make informed decisions about the kind of things we're going to do and and not going to do. This time of year, early January, we're really good at making New Year's resolutions about deciding the kind of things we're going to do this year. It's all part of developing a plan. Perhaps it's sorting out your finances, getting fit. Perhaps it's planning for a holiday. Perhaps it's to do with your your education or your occupation, your, your family life. What could it look like for you in five to ten years' time? See, a, a vision is a clear picture of what could be, fueled by the conviction that it should be. And the difference between an idea or a pipe dream and a vision is a vision is fueled by the conviction of what the future should be. And that conviction can provide energy to do something significant. There's a great example in, in the Bible in a passage of scripture that became popular about 10 years ago. It's the, the prayer of Jabez, 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 to 10. I'll read it for you. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. Now, we we don't know a lot about Jabez. That's kind of it as far as his story in the Bible goes. But we know that Jabez caused his mother a great deal of pain in childbirth. We know that childbirth is a painful experience. So this must have been something a bit more out of the ordinary that she would label her son with a name that means pain. Back in in those days, in that culture, names were incredibly significant. Spoke about hopes and dreams and aspirations for the child or uh, something that was significant in their world at that moment. But for Jabez, wherever he went, whenever he was introduced to someone new, whenever his name was spoken, he carried the label of pain. Jabez was dissatisfied with his life. He didn't like how it looked and what was going on. And so he cried out to God. He had a picture of what could be and a conviction that it should be, and it pushed him to change his current circumstances. He prayed for an enlarged territory. It speaks of prosperity and influence. He wanted God's hand to be with him. It speaks of provision and protection. He wanted God to look after him so he would be free from pain. Pain was a significant part of Jabez's life, and he wanted it gone. He was dissatisfied with the status quo, 
and he had a picture of what could be along with a conviction that it should be. And I love that that passage ends with God granting his request. What is it that you're dissatisfied with at the moment? What part of normal, everyday life, the status quo, are you dissatisfied with? That you you have a vision that it should change, a conviction that, that it must. We have personal vision. The second category is a God-inspired vision or dream. For me, that's what led me to pastoring. It, it went beyond simply a good idea into something that I, I couldn't shake. And I used to believe that the, the will of God was like a tightrope. We have to walk so carefully not to make a single wrong step. In great case, we, we take a wrong step and we fall out of the will of God and we, we do something we're not supposed to be doing and And we get it all wrong, and God will be so disappointed with us. The problem with viewing the will of God like that is when we take it to the extreme, when we get up in the morning, we have to stop and pray, God, do I wear the green shirt or the blue shirt today? We're so concerned about every single step and making every single decision right. But I think the reality of it is quite different. God has given us a free will. He's given us a capacity to make choices for ourselves, and we should. Psalm 34, uh, sorry, 37 verse 4 says, Take delight in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. See, God gives desires of our heart to those who have a life that is centered on him. Those that are following him, those that are, are seeking God, he gives us the desires of our heart because he knows that a heart after him is a heart that will seek the right things, will desire the right things. We have this capacity to choose. I I don't think we get a whole lot of really clear and specific words from God on specific things. I think most of the call of God and that God's plan for our life comes in the way he's gifted us and shaped us and our, our personality. He's already put a lot of things in place so that we will naturally walk the path that he has for us to walk. Having said that, there are times when God speaks to us, when he directs us. The way I determine whether I'm hearing from God, whether this is a direction that he wants me to walk in, is the peace test. If I make this decision, am I at peace? Is there a peace that goes along with that, or is there anxiety in that situation? When I'm making a a decision, I'm looking for that moment of peace. See, when I finished... Uh, youth pastoring, I felt that God may, may be leading us elsewhere and, and it became eventually really obvious that we were supposed to change cities. God didn't give me a, a destination and say, this is where you must go, but, but we began to explore options and, and something opened up and, and we felt an incredible peace about making that change. It meant leaving our friends and our family behind. So it wasn't that it was always going to be easy or, or comfortable or feel good. There was some, some pain in the journey and, and some challenges, but we felt the peace of God as we made our decision. And the other thing that I think happens is that God opens up doors of opportunity. For us, moving to Australia was one of those 
opportunities. We, we could have chosen to stay in New Zealand and, and, and continue to do what we do. At that time, I was in my dream job. I, I was loving where we're living and everything. Life was great. We felt that maybe there was an opportunity that God has got for us here in Australia and we pursued that. We walked through the door and felt the incredible peace as we did that. And the third piece of the puzzle for us is a corporate vision. That's the, the vision of this church, where we're going, what we're doing. You see, each church is unique. Each church fulfills different functions and is graced to achieve different things. How do we determine the vision, the direction of, of this church? Well, different churches have different ways of doing it, but at this church we have a, a team of elders. We nominate and vote them into the position, and when we think God is speaking to us individually or collectively, we bring it to the team, and we work it through together. And if we're not united in that, then we don't move forward. I, I want to take this moment to introduce the elders to, to you. Some of you may not be aware who the elders are, so if the elders could please come forward, join me. Kerry's not here at the moment. She's next door in Kids Church, but you can come. Yeah, separate. We, we don't talk much. We don't actually like each other. This is, this is Gail and Stuart. They've uh, been here at, at church for quite a while, and um, we, we love these guys dearly. They've headed up missions and uh, been certainly part of that in, in the past and uh, do, do a great job. This is AJ and Susan. Uh, AJ is, plays drums for us fairly regularly, and Susan uh, heads up our, our little fishers program next door with the preschool kids and uh, how long have you guys been been in the church 29 and a half years wow aj 17 years what about you guys how long have you been here 16 and this is person felder the purse has been here 155 years <laughs> um Purse has, has a lot to do with the worship and the production side of things. and the, the, this, These are a great couple. And how long have you been in church here, Purse? It's a long time. <laughs> so, so these guys are, are elders in the church. And, and I, the part of the, the role of, of elders is to help keep us on track as far as our vision goes? Are we, are we doing what we feel that, that God has, has called us to do? Part of it is, is uh, making sure that um, I'm not preaching heresy. Uh, they haven't come and spoken to me about that yet, so I must be doing okay. But, you know, that, that we're, we're, we are maintaining uh, the, the biblical model that, that we're supposed to be doing. There's a pastoral care component for these guys. In a, in a church this size, it, it's not appropriate for me to do all the pastoral care work that, that needs done in the life of the church. And so along with uh, others that are part of, of the pastoral care team, these guys do carry a, a component of, of that as well. And when we're making decisions, they bring their godly wisdom and, and experience 
into the room together. And so we, we journey through a lot of what it means to do church and how we do church and, and what that looks like. And so I want to ask you to pray for these guys. You know, there's a lot of responsibility that comes with, with being elders, with carrying uh, things at, at that level. And, and you know, we're, we believe in the spiritual realm enough to know that when you're in... in Leadership positions like that, there's always an attack of the enemy that would come and seek to undermine and break it, break it down. And so I want to pray for them now. I'd ask if you extend your hand towards these guys and, and let's, let's pray. God, we thank you for these couples that have chosen to serve you in this way. God, we thank you for their heart for this church, their love of the people in this church. God, their heart towards and love for you. God, we pray that you would give us wisdom. Holy Spirit, that you would lead us and guide us and direct us. God, we pray protection around them and their families. God, we thank you for them. Pray that we start into a new year, your your refreshing would be upon us. God, your favor with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So these guys are always available to, to chat to if you questions of problems you, you want to talk through things oh, I want to commend them to you you know they really do do a, a, a great job and Kerry and I are part of the eldership and Janelle and her role as associate pastor attends elders meetings as well so we we meet together and and, and we work out hearing from God where, where we're going and, and what that looks like in the coming weeks we'll talk but more specifically about some of the things that we think God's been speaking to us about and where he's leading us. So we have three components that work together. We have a personal vision, we have the God-inspired bit, and we have the corporate piece that we are part of together. And I just really briefly want to look at how those things interact together. So when all three of those components collide in this a little bit in the middle there, we call that alignment. When our passion, who God's wired us to be, how he's created us and what he's called us to do and the direction, the vision of the church, when those three things collide, we're in alignment. And when we're only dwelling in two of those components, say corporate and personal, we, we have something called misalignment. And that's one of the hardest things to work through. So the, the, the idea is that sometimes we have some really great ideas. Sometimes God may even be speaking to us, but it doesn't always fit where we're heading as a church. Perhaps the timing is wrong. The, 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 the idea is right, but the timing is wrong. And, and, and that's part of what we're trying to do as an eldership is, is work out where the alignment is. What, what are the things that we should be doing and, and what shouldn't be doing? Because if we did every great idea that anybody in the life of church had, we'd be burnt out before we achieved just about anything. Alignment happens. Something fits us personally when we see the hand of God in it. It's consistent with who we are and who we are becoming as a church. Those are the things that are powerful. That's what we're looking for, is is that alignment. So when I was youth pastor and one of my leaders came to me and said, Dave, I've got this great idea. We've got all these kids that that come and 
use the church property, they shoot hoops, they hang out, they kick balls, but they won't come to church, they won't come to youth. I, I want to run a, a youth centre for them. I, I've got this idea and, and, and it resonated really well with me. It was something I'd been thinking about and my pastor had been talking to me about what are we going to do with all these kids and, and so we planned and prepared for months. We raised finance, we got all the equipment we needed to set up this youth centre and we, we handed out hundreds of flyers in our local area and the night finally arrived, we're excited, we had the leadership team there, we'd set everything up and the night started and one girl showed up. That's hard. When you've got six leaders and one girl, it's kind of like, what are we going to do? She was a great girl, had a few issues, but uh, we, we loved her and um, so, you know, she seemed to have a good night, even though she was on her own. Following week, she brought her brother back and he brought a friend and then after that, a few more people showed up and, 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 and within a, a short period of time, we had around about 40 of these kids showing up every single Friday night and we were able to, to, to input with the God stuff a little bit with them, build relationship and, and journey with these kids. They'd never have come to our, our church youth ministry, but we had this program where we were able to engage in them. That, that's the, that alignment, when it fitted really well with where we were going as a church, we, it was a great idea that became really obvious that it was a God idea really quickly. We didn't know that in time that program would grow so much that we would be able to put youth workers in our local high school and primary school that would be able to engage at such a level with our community. Another time I launched into a program I thought God was speaking to me about and uh, and, and I'd prepared for it and, and we'd, we got this program and, and it happened. It was great. It was a huge success. Lots and lots of people came to it. And when I was debriefing it with my pastor afterwards, he said, look, we're just a bit concerned that we're spreading our youth leaders too thin. We're asking too much of them. I don't think we should be doing this program. And that was an example for me of misalignment. It was a great idea. God was blessing it, but it didn't fit for that moment in that season at that time. The timing was wrong, even though the program was right. And when it comes to vision, there's a metaphor that often gets used, and that metaphor is giving birth. Your vision starts in seed form. It may be small and insignificant to begin with, but given the right conditions and time, it grows into something really significant. There can be significant pain associated with giving birth to a vision. Like birth, sometimes things can go wrong in the gestation period. Just like a baby, a vision has seeds of its parents in it. God breathed. Vision contains the DNA of God and us. And as I said, vision often begins with the inability inability to accept things as they are, which develops into a clear picture of what should be, a conviction that things should be. The thing that separates a vision from a dream is the vision contains that sense of conviction, not just that it's a great idea. When I was 16, I had two competing ideas going inside me. I, I had a dream that I'd be a scientist. I loved science. I excelled at science at school. I had great teachers. And I decided to go and study science at university. And I did. I, I finished my Bachelor of Science in Botany and, and Philosophy. And I did all that. And while I was doing it, I discovered I didn't actually want to be a scientist. 
the, the thing, exactly, face palm, the thing inside me that, that was competing was this desire to work with young people to work with the church. I just couldn't see how it could happen. I didn't know what it would look like. I'd never had a youth pastor. We, I didn't even know that kind of role existed. But I, I had these things going on inside me, and my degree wasn't wasted. It's opened up so many doors of opportunity for me that's allowed me to get to where I am. But I couldn't shake that sense that this is something I think God's speaking to me about. I nearly, in my final year of university, I nearly pulled out and went and started studying youth work, but decided I could come this far and spend this much money. I should probably finish. So thankful that I did. The, the, the dream to serve God started as a small idea. This little thing in seed form. I wonder one day if I could do that. How great would it be if, if I could do that with my life? And as time went on, as I was part of leadership team and all of that, that the, the dream started to grow inside me. Vision is a clear picture of what could be fueled by the conviction that it should be. For a vision to become reality, it takes risk. Achieving our, our preferred future is for the courageous. Just like getting pregnant and waiting nine months to give birth, vision seldom happens quickly. There's often a delay, and it's that delay that causes us pain and discomfort. It's that delay that sidelines a lot of vision. Like a baby in vitro, things must grow and mature so we have time to prepare. Imagine how hard it would be to find out that you're pregnant and give birth the next day. When, when Carrie and I found out we were pregnant, we prepared, we painted our room, we bought stuff, we, we went to courses, we uh, journeyed with a midwife who helped us through the whole birthing process. We, we got ready for the change that would take place in our life and it's the same sort of process we go through with vision. The vision inside us and it begins to grow inside us and we prepare and we make room for it. We, we get ready and in that incubation period, it, the vision matures inside us. Worship team, you can come join me. That, that time delay is often the thing that helps us determine if it's just a good idea, inspired by the pizza we had the night before, or whether it's a God idea. We mature as we wait. Oftentimes we're not ready for the vision to come to pass. If I, they'd made me youth pastor at 16 when that first idea came into my head, it would have destroyed our youth ministry and me along the way. I wasn't ready. I had growing and maturing and developing to do. Finally, God is at work behind the scenes. The hardest thing with vision is that delay. So I want to encourage you again with the action point. Look at where you are and think about where you want to be. That's the beginning of formulating a plan to achieve some personal visions. And I don't want you to think I'm just preaching to the young ones this morning. Visions for everybody. Saw a story on TV the other day about a lady in her 90s who got her bachelor's degree for the first time. She'd wanted to do it when she was younger. Things, family happened, life happened, and so in her late 80s, she decided she'd go to university and study. She graduated, the oldest one to graduate with a degree, and now she wants to do her master's degree. It's okay for a lady in her 90s, and it's okay for everyone in this room, isn't it, Rose? I'm not saying you have to go to university, sweetheart. 
It's okay. What I'm saying is every single one of us can have a dream of what the preferred future for us could look like. I don't want you to get 10 years down the line and look back at the last 10 years with regret because you've ended up somewhere you never wanted to be. Maybe if we stop and we thought about what the future could look like, we can actually formulate a plan and take steps towards it. God, I thank you that you speak to each and every one of us. And God, I pray that you would help us to hear you. Thank you for the way you've made us, shaped us, molded us. Thank you for the giftings that we have. Help us to step into what you have for us. God, in a practical sense, in our everyday lives, God, I pray that we would develop a compelling vision for the future and a conviction that it should be. God, we wouldn't just go through life and let it happen to us, but we would be people determined to shape our futures, to achieve what we have in our heart to achieve. God, for those in the room that have a vision, but they're in that delay period, God, I pray you give them strength. God, you continue to mature, shape, and prepare. God, we thank you for all that you have for us as a church. God, we we do continue to pray your kingdom come and your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there was anything in this message that you would like to talk further about, please go to our website on www.cofcpenrith.org. That's www.cofcpenrith.org.